welcome to Hit Different, my friends, your weekly music culture podcast with me, Mikey Carl. On this episode, we're going to be talking about this amazing Economist article, what Spotify data show about the decline of English, a weird sentence, a weird title, but we'll get into that. Milo Eastwood on debut is going to be talking all about Australian Eurovision, the entrance, and whether they're good, bad, or other, and then Eliza and the Delusionals, ethereal, dream pop out of Pottsville, New South Wales, going to be having a good chat with them. So let's go. Support Hit Different, another mushroom podcast covering Australian music by becoming a subscriber. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review whether you hate us or not. Just give us that fucking review. <laughs> Hi. You get early access, ad-free episodes, and anything else we can pull together. Biggest thing is you're going to be supporting uh, music journalism in a very sort of tumultuous time. All right, boys, girls, other friends, we've arrived at the first part of the day. Firstly, let's have a little a little check-in with our friends uh, from Eliza and the Delusions. We have Eliza Klatt and Kurt Skuz. How are you guys going? Good. Good. Thank How you. are you? How are you? Going garuvi. And Milo Eastwood on debut, his first time here. PBS FM Breakfast Spread, Love Sensation, Party Monster. Uh, you'll see him at your next, next 7 a.m. Kitchen Kick-On. Milo, <laughs> how are you? Happy, healthy, excited to be here. Fan of the pod and uh, behind the mic. Excellent. So you guys are in Pottsville, New South Wales. How's it outside? What is what is the plan for the day? Give us a little bit of yeah, a little a snack, a snapshot of your world. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's overcast. It's raining. Yeah, it's how we like it. Day. Your music sort of lends itself to looking out the window. You know, drizzle coming through weeping willows and thinking about that ex-boyfriend that you perhaps you should get back with, but you're sort of stuck with the current one. And that's <laughs> that's yeah, exactly. a little bit of what I get from it anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's all I think about ever, so I'm glad you touched on that. Yeah. Excellent. Friends, The Economist has an in-depth article titled What Spotify Data Show About the Decline of English. I feel like it should be shows in the kind of punkiness from the get-go. It's a really, I mean, The Economist does such good work. They said, to investigate the evolution of music tastes across the world, The Economist trawled through the top 100 tracks in 70 countries, according to Spotify, examining 13,000 hits in 70 languages along with other data like genre, lyrical language, and nationality of artists. We sought to group countries according to music similarity. So here it goes. There is no doubt that despite its decline, English is still king, unlike cash. Of the 50 most streamed tracks on Spotify over the past five years, 47 were in English, and the genres it incubated are being widely adopted elsewhere. There is now excellent rap available in Arabic, Russian, don't say Russian, and of course Spanish. So a big thing though, this sort of momentum shift. Uh, Bad Bunny, who I don't, I don't have a lot of, I haven't had a lot of dealings with Bad Bunny apart from his amazing guest on I Like It with Cardi B. And who's the other guy in it? Jay Galvin? Is that? Yeah. Absolute jam. Absolute banger. He is the most streamed artist on Spotify last year. We talk a lot about Spotify on this podcast because hello, the fucking world is kind of run by Spotify musically in, in many, many ways. Do you, Eliza and the Delusionals, Eliza and Kurt, have any Bad Bunny uh, observations to, to bring to the table slash tell us a bit about um, music and other languages that you enjoy? Honestly, the Bad Bunny thing. I'm pretty sure wasn't he also he appeared on WWE yeah, for wasn't a little bit. He a wrestler for Surely, 
Was that Surely him? that happened. On wrestling? Yeah, he, he so. appeared. He was like the, the WWE champion for a little bit, I'm sure. I think it was him. To be fair, I'd, I I can't say I know any songs. It's not, yeah, it's sort of not my genre, my go-to genre of music, really. I honestly think I know a Bad Bunny like strongly through my... <laughs> his cameo on my, His cameo on WWE. <laughs> First thing people ask, is Bad Bunny a WWE wrestler? <laughs> there Former you go. 24-7 champion, made his Royal Rumble debut in 2021 when he performed his song Booker T. Inspired the same name. How good is that? Oh my god! He followed up entering the rumble itself, splash off the top rope to attack the Miz. Is this the same guy? I think this is the same guy. It's got to be. The I same think guy. it is. I believe I it, is it is him. Wrestling fanatic. So have you done a, a sneaky Google and you're like, guys, I tell you about Bad Bunny. Eliza and I used to like. Well, everyone in the band, apart from Ruby, used to really love WWE, like mm-hmm. the sort of early two thousands vibe sort of thing. We don't watch it now, but. Sometimes we'll like flick it on and just be like, See what's, what's happening? happening, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then one time we flicked, I flicked it on and it was like, Bad Bunny. I was like, isn't Bad Bunny like an a artist? Musician. It was like a musician. Yeah. Like, what's going on? And then all of a sudden I was like, wow, he's like just fully a part of all their pay-per-views and stuff. I was like, it's yeah. crazy. He was he was just there. So that's that's all the info we have on it was him. That, that's our flex. Con- it was just like, yeah, yeah. How, do we, how do we get this album out there to people? Let's join the WWE. Yeah. We're thinking of doing think- the same, to be honest. We are, yeah. <laughs> And putting the delusion on your title there. He made a surprise return to the ring. So that does imply that he was a um, some kind Once of Once was a wrestler. Yeah. And I mean, I think he's parlayed that into some incredible success. Wrestling is freaking huge, as we know. So I think the next stop for him, we can see Bad Bunny doing a fortnight, you know, doing a fortnight concert, can't we, online? Oh, how has that not happened already? Because yeah, Travis Scott's done oh, I was about to say, surely that's already happened. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, Milo? Tell us about your your Bad Bunny uh, experience thus far in your life. My Bad Bunny experience is a couple of friends being super uh, into his music and me kind of just appreciating his visual vibe. Music uh, hasn't exactly uh, connected with me, but I really dig his look. He's quite the fashionista and uh, quite <laughs> quite the before. It doesn't surprise me that he was good at WWE because it's quite a theatrical production. I feel like the guy has some theatre in his roots as well, sort of the way he carries himself mm. on stage and sort of throughout photo shoots and music clips. Mm. So, yes, appreciate his vibe from afar, but can't say I'm uh, too well-versed on the music of Mr. Bunny. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what do we think? Why is he so goddamn popular? Because for me, he represents this kind of slightly a, a f- like masculine as, but also an effeminate voice and really kind of like a Lothario, but, you know, I'll look after you, but then I might dump you, but then you'll take, you'll take me back the next day. There's this real kind of aspirational vibe to his, his sort of personal narrative as well. I think it's – and I think he's just – he's got good flow. He's got, a, a, you know, quite a mellifluous voice. What are you guys uh, up in Pottsville and what, why do you think uh, his, his appeal, you know, and why is, why is music that's not in English uh, appealing to sort of everyone at the moment? I guess something from our perspective, like we're very drawn to like an aesthetic straight away. If we don't, if we don't know like music, like we're very drawn to like an aesthetic and I'm just straight up like looking at his page and that sort of thing. And like his Instagram and stuff, I can see why people would be sort of drawn to his style and things like Mm. that as well. Um, That confident sort of, you know, vibe. I can wear a garbage bag and still make (laughs) it look good sort of thing. So, um, yeah. I also think that's like, you know, just like from the very minimal amount of music I think I know, I feel like that style of music is just very in right now as well. And like a lot of people are loving that. So if you have a like good aesthetic to match that, 
and you know the personality i feel like it's you can't really go wrong um drake's the self-proclaimed king of rap in english and with uh, a verse of the song he did with bad bunny on the occasion drake delivered the chorus in spanish so drake's obviously he's a very smart operator too oh hell yeah yeah he knows where his bread's buttered as well you, Milo, are a big Deep Forest fan, talking about music here. Yeah, As am I, as am I. And what did you say? This is we're, we're in pretty cancellable territory <laughs> with Deep Forest, but I do have a lot of time for that project and that particular record, Bohemian, from the uh, the early 90s. Mm. And what what made, why did you connect with it? I connected to it with the vocal melodies. I think it was maybe the first time that I'd really connected with a vocal melody without really understanding uh, understanding what was actually being said Mm. and i think there's something kind of special when it comes to uh music not in the language that you're super familiar with Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you're sort of able to listen to it from a purely musical and emotional standpoint without sort of being too carried away with uh what the words and lyrics mean behind it but uh it's quite a quite a relaxing state i find to be in to be listening to music in a language other than english Mm. it was just that very specific moment in time to deep forest that it came out and it was on Every brushes that I would fork into, yes. it was playing every cafe serving. It was this back in the days where eggplant and sun-dried tomatoes were the shit before avocado came along and went, fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us, uh, my friends, uh, up in up in Pottsville, any kind of mu- the first music you responded to could be Edith Piaf, you know, like any kind of foreign language stuff or anything like Deep Forest that um, that you first really, you know, found some kind of uh, strange uh, sort of kinship with. Straight up, like, I feel like for me personally, and you're probably similar, Kurt, like, I often, like, attach myself very strongly to songs, like, lyrically. So I feel like when I can't, when I sort of don't know, I feel like I might not attach to it as much as, like... In the same way? Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I I personally have never really had that on my playlist sort of thing. Um, But, you know... Everyone, everyone got around um, Gangnam Style, didn't they? <laughs> Absolutely, I, that thing still goes. I, I love it. Yeah, you don't need yeah. to. You don't need to speak Sarah. Korean to understand that. Whoopa! Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about that yesterday. Funny enough, Gangnam Style. Yeah, yeah, we actually I, um, were. We were in rehearsal and we were talking. Just talking. I think about Ruby it. started talking about. It. We were yeah. like, "Wow, wasn't that just?" No, she massive? started dancing. She, oh, she started, started dancing. Dance. Yeah, she did. Can you believe that came out nine years ago? Oh, no. That's yes, crazy. nine. Nine, 2013. Nine Dunker. That is oh wild. I never responded. When people are like, can you believe it's March already? I'm like, yeah, I can. Um, yeah. Nine years ago, That's that, I'm cooked. I'm cookity-cooked. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's wild scenes. Milo Eastwood has a great sort of Spotify page and quite a good following. He, guys, he put out something called Calming Music for Chaotic Times after his mum asked him to put, you know, put together a bit of a chill kind of playlist. And there's heaps of music on there which either doesn't have um, – Core of uh, lyrics or is in foreign language. There's some Stan Getz on there. There's God, what else is on there? Should I got this sort of written in down. terms of the, there's a lot of sort of like neoclassical piano, sort of instrumental mm. uh, music for well and truly putting your mind at ease. Mm. It's got a heap of followers. I played it so often during the pandemic and I still play it now. It's got something like 250 followers. Like people really, really, really get into it. And Kurt and Eliza, I'll, I'll flick you over a, a link after this after this chat's done as well. You really, really dig it. I think, and to my point, 
people are really responding to music that takes them away. We can't now, we haven't been able to tour and tour. We haven't been able to go overseas for two two years pretty much. And so we want to be transported away. You know, I listen to a lot of Edith Piaf and others like that. And even now when I DJ a lot, I'm playing heaps of music from the sort of South American staff and Sergio Mendez and people are responding to it so freaking well. It's because it's not someone bleeding me out with their heart or, you know, singing about something that we understand the lyrics. So people are sort of perplexed and intoxicated by this this thing this is like in this sort of someone taking you to a favela within four minutes of a of a dance remix kurt and, and eliza what kind of sort of music do you do you dance to and do you prefer music that you cannot understand the lyrics of when you're dancing or eliza you sort of have said that um you like to understand what's going on with uh you know with the narrative yeah i was going to literally say though like i can definitely agree to that with what eliza said about like connecting to lyrics and stuff like that but at the same time there's definitely a part of me that enjoys sitting down and listening to like ambient tape note music and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like musical scores and things like that and just stuff that is not straight derivative like pop music or anything like that like yeah. do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just like something you can mm-hmm. sit down and it goes for 25 minutes and it just doesn't have a middle point or a start point and kind of mm. in you go, oh, I just finished. And it's just like, oh, wow, 25 minutes just went by or something like that. It's just things that can be made out of music that like, go, oh, cool, it's like tape loops and, and old cassettes and things like that and, and, and sort of like destructive loops and stuff like that are really, really cool to me as well because I find a lot of music and like sample-based music as well takes a lot from that side of things. So I do enjoy listening to that sort of stuff and I'm not yeah. listening to actual like, you know, an album or an EP or a single or something I, like that. I agree with that. And and um I guess to answer the other part of the question, um, I'm actually a really terrible dancer, so I don't no. really <laughs> um I don't really put myself in a position to be dancing unless I'm on stage, I suppose. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kurt Kurt can't agree though. Kurt's a great dancer. Bad dancing is in right now though. It really is. <laughs> Bad dancing. Thanks in. guys. So, oh, I guess Appreciate I was gonna myself Kurt, when you were speaking about sort of sample-based uh, instrumental music, it sort of took my mind to sort of the whole lo-fi study beats craze that's sort of taken oh, over the internet favorite. for the last like 10 years or so. Is that sort of the uh, territory you're sort of moving around in? Personally, that's more of an Eliza thing. I definitely yeah. do indulge from time to time, but that's definitely sort of like Eliza sort of... What's that artist? Amulets, is it? Amulets is one. Yeah. Like, yeah and um, they're, they're just like sort of like Instagram. Instagram actually has this like whole world of like artists who are like, tape ambient ghost in the loop is another one and stuff like that they literally just like on old Tascam like four tracks and stuff will have cassettes and and they'll sample things and like it's just like field recordings and things like that and then put them through like tape loops and like burn the tapes and like destruct like the the actual cassettes themselves and like it just it it's comes really out it's just yeah it's really interesting it's like, almost sort like of um self-generative sort of music yeah, in, in you, a way you know like i like i could be so off here because this is definitely kurt's Realm. But you know how like Brian Eno made that like it's music very for airports, very Brian Eno like, sort of, thing, yeah, 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 and yeah, like I feel like it's sort of on that vibe, except it's a bit more like physical. Yeah, I just yeah. feel really inspired by that sort of stuff because like it's cool loving albums and like a full LP like copy sort of thing. It's like you listen and people have interludes and things like that, and mm. it's and even like just you know as as much as just like a pad or a an ambient like sort of scape in in the back of of a track sort of thing is just. To me, something that can be so inspiring and something that can just take you down a whole sort of new route of thinking musically and really enjoy sort of delving into that side of things. 
Mm, I think it's all, it's setting up that sort of mezzanine in your mind where you can go to this other place. And like, I have the best ideas when I'm washing the dishes at home and quite often putting on, like talking about the calming music, chaotic times, Arthur Verakai's on there, Oliver Arnold's, people like that, uh, Reichsop. Yeah, it's just, sure, it's, really, yeah. it's a really beautiful thing to be able to, to be able to sort of just engage another part of your brain. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very cool, my friends. Hey, in a second, Milo Eastwood's going to tell us all about Eurovision and Australia's deep and long-lasting connection with Europe. Check out other podcasts from Mushroom, some of my best work with Jane Rocker, 180 Grams with me, Fuckface, or One Guitar. Just search for Mushroom Studios in your podcast app. All right, a bit more music. Like that. That's a good little stab. Milo Eastwood, tell us about Eurovision and then we'll swing to our friends up in New South Wales and get their hot take. Australia's relationship with Eurovision has always been somewhat of a uh, confusing one. <laughs> I think we're one of the number one countries outside of Europe who follows it the most uh, attentively. I think we, for a long time, got the biggest numbers of viewership outside of Europe, which is why I think we were eventually asked to actually participate in it. And it turns out the rules are you don't have to be a European country to actually be in Eurovision. You have to have a certain brand of TV station. And I'm pretty sure that SBS falls under that category of falling under that sort of umbrella of having the right TV station in your country. But that's basically the, the short story as to how we even ended up in the damn thing in the first place because it's ridiculous that Australia is in the European <laughs> song contest. But right now over the weekend, the contestants uh, in Australia at least are competing to get that coveted spot um, over in Europe uh, later on in the year. And we've we've sent over some interesting acts over time. We've sent through some good songs. We've sent through some bad songs. We do tend to favor the sort of ex-reality TV show contestant trend which actually does happen in the European countries as well, but okay. we just wouldn't Didn't know, know it because we're not watching X Factor Italy. <laughs> um, but it does tend to be a bit of a thing. But uh, I'm just going to run through some of the entrants that we have performing over the weekend. I think by the time this goes live, we will have a winner. Um, so not forecasting too much on it. But um, these are the people. Uh, in terms of the uh, X reality show contestants and uh, that whole side of things, which do make up more than half of the field, um, in this weekend's proceedings, we have uh, ex-Australian Idol favourite and Young Divas member Paulini, um, Filipino-Indonesian X-Factor uh, alumni Sean Miley-Moore, uh, X-Factor winner Isaiah Firebrace, mysterious masked pop star and runner-up of The Voice Sheldon Riley, and girl group and voice alumni Gene Nation. <laughs> few of those names ring bells. Few of them don't, but they are the sort of ex-reality TV show side of things that will be uh, competing over the weekend. The outsiders uh, to this I'm kind of interested in as well. We've got Fierce and Fabulous alt pop star Jaguar Jones, yep. EMI signed Gold Coast native Charlie, We've got queer rural Queensland singer-songwriter Jude York, who's a bit of a young gun, TikTok sensation Erica Padilla, and uh, finally, this is where it's at for me in terms of the uh, ridiculousness of Eurovision, WA-based epic electro-progressive power metal band Voyager, their description Voyager. of their music, Voyager. not mine. Voyager. Just a truly absurd band who have actually quite quite a big following Voyager, both really? here and overseas, obviously in the, uh, the epic electro progressive power metal community, <laughs> which apparently there is a huge uh, market for. 
um, here and abroad. But I think it's kind of fair to say that Australia has played it safe in Eurovision for a little bit too long. Mm. And I've always thought the idea behind Eurovision is to be a little bit camp, a little bit silly, a little bit ridiculous and a bit over the top. Mm. And um, I'm really hoping that Australia finally sends somebody worthy of a uh, sort of viral performance for years and years and years to come. I mm. feel like the Eurovision performances that we continue to watch, even after the contest, the contest is over, seem to be a little bit more on the ridiculous side of things. Mm. Well, Voyager could pick up where Lordy left off uh, a few years ago, that real kind of like, I mean, there would be like that dream theatre sound as well, that dream theatre vibe across with uh, something a bit more uh, Norwegian church burning. Tell us, uh, Eliza and the Delusionals, what do you guys think of Eurovision and uh, whether you would even ever aspire to sort of, you know, being part of it or yeah, just, just general thoughts on, on Eurovision, especially Australia's involvement. To be fair, a lot of myself and like reality TV doesn't span quite far in the sense <laughs> of like knowing contestants and stuff like that Good. who are reality TV stars <laughs> and things like that. Honestly, what was that show that I watched? A bit of a side story. It was, I think it's called Too Hot to Handle. It was on Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely love that. That was like the, the last thing that I ever watched. It was like reality TV. But in all seriousness, so in, as, as far as contestants go, like we, uh, we're friends with Dina. So Jaguar Jones, who is a contestant, was a contestant like, uh, uh last year, a couple years ago. Yeah. So we're, hope, fingers crossed she does really well. Like, yeah. With our little fires. She's probably the so. one that we're most familiar with. I do, like, I do remember, um, like, Paulini from back in the day sort of thing. But, yeah, I've, it's funny because I feel like I just, um, I'm very I'm knowledgeable about no, all I'm, of these topics that I we're know. talking about. I feel super um, illiterate with this, this topic. But, I mean, I always love I watching know. Eurovision. Like, it's always, like, cool to watch and kind of cool to, like, not know what to expect. I remember watching a couple of years ago and there was that band or two-piece from um the Gold Coast. Electric Fields, I think it was. And, like, they put on a really oh, good yeah, show. Oh, yeah, that's that right. That was really cool. I really like that, that um, song. Yeah, they've got, they're yeah really but song. they're not a part of it this year, obviously. But, um, yeah, like, I, I feel like it's actually fun to, like, kind of watch it and not really know what to expect. I think, too, I, I would go in the best intentions to watch it. And if I see two crap songs in a, in a row, I'm like, I'm out. Whereas there's that one, one that can hook you in, and then you oh, I mean, Montaigne did great for us last year. Dammy oh, Im a few so a few years ago, yeah, that was great. Sound of Silence, the Dammy Im track was that's a that fucking was huge, jam. actually. That's the, yeah, that's the best song that she's. Yeah, her she's, voice yeah. is so insane. That song was so good that I actually forgot. Not, and I'm not saying like that Eurovision songs are bad at all, but it was like that song was so massive. I like forgot that it was a part of her like Eurovision. Like campaign, I suppose. I just thought it was like a really popular song that she put out. Like it, you oh, know what actually, I mean? What was that song though? This was out outside of. Um... Oh, look, he's excited about Eurovision now. Oh, I know, I know. I've just <laughs> I fully come Eurovision. around. I just made make a lot. Yeah. Oh, what was it? It was. I think it ended up actually winning Eurovision like last year. Because last year it was um, Maneskin from Italy doing yes. Zitti e Buoni. Iceland from last 2020. year. Twenty twenty. Oh, twenty twenty. Have a crack song at it. Is so good. Oh, Dale. I don't even know how to. I don't, I won't, literally do it. I'll butcher it. It says Icelandic is a tricky one. <laughs> I thought that it was dad, like pronounced like something like it's probably Dardy like David or something. And, I'm just... and Gangnamingo. <laughs> Siobhan. Gang. Gang. Is it? Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. But they were great. No, and the song. It, what was the song called again? I'm literally gonna look on Spotify right now. It was good. actually "Think About Things" is the yeah. song. Everyone should go listen to "Think About Things" because it is an absolute change. If you like that sort of like I don't know, like sort of discoy like yeah, synth discoy cool. sort yeah. of vibe, it was cool. It's catchy out. Speaking of Iceland and Eurovision, that sort of uh, makes me remember the uh, the Will Ferrell Eurovision film which <laughs> oh, yeah. came out. Oh Fire Saga. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ding dong. (laughs) That was the story of an Icelandic Eurovision entrant. And that film really surprised me. I sort of went into it kind of expecting to sort of cringe a little bit. But I was was a happy man walking out of that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was great. It was pretty good. Was that, that wasn't, was that based off, it wasn't based off real, like true story? I I don't think it was, but it just happened to be that, that, that guy. Also, also was, was yeah. fire and come through. Well, yeah, it was no yeah yeah ding dong, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got to say, the song at the end of that, the sort of the big emotional moment with them on stage when you know they you know sing the song and win everybody's win, win everybody over. That song got me on like a very like emotional, uh, like Adele esque ballad sense of things. It just like really hit the heartstrings, and I feel like if that song from that movie actually entered the song contest at some point, I feel like it would come out on top. Is that a song called Huzavik? Yes. Yeah, before like Will Ferrell sure. and Molly Sandon under the stage name My Marianne. <laughs> story. <Yeah. laughs> I've not seen the film. I need to see this freaking film. Oh, it's pretty good. It is really funny. Will Ferrell treats Eurovision with such um, authenticity and delicateness. He's married to a Swedish woman, and so he's been watching it religiously since the early 2000s, and has actually had this script ready to go for a long time, and it took him a while to find a um, production company that was willing to throw some cash at it. True, really well, I did I not know, know that. that. Yeah. All the fun facts. This is why we've hired Milo. He cost a pretty penny, but worth every, every cent. <laughs> Full of useless information. <laughs> and we're thinking Barbarian should enter... Yes. Uh, so that Melbourne Viking band, Client Liaison. I feel like Client Liaison, uh, Eurovision material and a half from the day they started right up until this point. Monty and Harvey, if you somehow find out about this conversation, make it happen. Mm. It'd be I a good next that. career move yeah. for, for them as I, well, I, I think, reckon. I think that um, Dardy Freer song is like definitely the Client Liaison vibe as well, mm. by the way. Mm. So mm. Completely. To paint a picture. Um, what what would the name of your song be, uh, Eliza and Kurt, in the Eurovision, and which language would it be in? Um, I feel like it would have to have a really, like, extra name, and the outfits mm-hmm. would have to be, like, I feel like I'd want to recreate, Can we just rip like, up Ya Ya Ding Dong and yeah. just use that? <laughs> ya Ya yeah. Ding Dong, and just dress like ABBA members or something like that. Like, I feel like you need to have the, the, one, the one-piece suits and... What's the most elaborate you guys have dressed up for a show? Once. There was a member in the band who was real, real set on us wearing um, red on t-shirts. red T-shirts for some reason. And we were like, yeah, okay, sure. And we all wore red T-shirts. And then we looked like the fucking hooli doolies. Yeah, and it, was- it just was, <laughs> yeah, was yeah. not it at all. So, so that, that was short-lived. Yeah. And, um- Ex-member of the band? Love a good yes. Holy Doolies reference, <laughs> yes. by the way. The... Underappreciated. Yeah, yeah absolutely. The, the first Holy Doolies reference on Hit Different. And I just said the last. Unreal. Hey, talking yeah. about your band, let's do more of that in a second after this bit of music. All right, we are back. Topic three. And the topic three is Eliza and the Delusionals. We're joined by Eliza Klatt and Kirk. Scusi! Uh, that's he insisted. He said, "Mikey, if you don't make it super camp and say excuse me, then I'm hanging up the fucking phone, mate." And so here we are. Thank you. I that, did the, say the, that. Your stipulation, sir. Uh, you guys were. I mean, just a little bit of a backstory as well. You've you've got that um, <clears throat> beautiful uh, dream pop sort of uh, you know ethereal serial kind of looking towards the heavens music. You were on the brink, really, of kind of how, kind of breaking overseas and, and and doing super well, and then then COVID hit. 
But Milo and I have been just chatting about the stuff you put out in recent times and the stuff you put out recently, yeah, the Give You Everything EP, we think it's your best stuff yet. The track Nothing Yet is really speaking to Milo. Yeah, that, that vocal melody is stuck in my head for about a week after hearing that for the first time. Mm, Side to cook and vinyl. <laughs> There's something really, really great about watching you guys, you know, sort of pick yourselves up and, and get on with it. Tell us about, yeah, sort of the build up and then COVID hitting, but just, just mm-hmm. where you felt like the band was just before COVID hit. It's quite sad for us, I guess, like not to bring the mood down, but um, yeah, it was definitely, um, it was tough. Like we had like actual like dream opportunities that we had like announced, we had in the works, like we had so much going on overseas. Like we were sort of ready to just be there for the next like year, two years sort of thing. And then when like the whole thing happened with COVID like we sort of didn't even realize the severity of it no. until and like our manager was over there with us for um big sound because we were going to like south by southwest and all of that and um he was just like hey like I've you know there's talks of like south by being canceled and we're like what we're like really like you know what I mean and then we got home like you know it all happened had to get the quickest flight we could home um and we were like oh it'll be okay like we'll we'll be back in like october like they were pushing all of the tours back to october it um, it happened that quickly as well we we were in before i remember tom our manager he his rental car he had remember his tire popped or something yeah. like that and he was at the front and he was like oh well we're waiting for the guy to come fix the tire there's talks about this like you know virus thing like cancelling um sort of south by and stuff we're like oh because that was like our next sort of thing that we were doing before we jumped on some more touring and all that sort of stuff and we had to go into this meeting while that was all happening and literally within the span of an hour like going into the meeting coming out everything had just been cancelled and like just everyone had pulled out i think that's a big sort of they were just like there's like universal and all of that had said no it's not safe so everyone pulled out we were just kind of like like we were surprised we were taken back and we were like okay and then yeah, like like I said, we he he went home a few days earlier than us, and then he was like, "Guys, like you need to get on the first plane because they're going to shut the borders and you're going to get stuck and it's going to." And we were like, "What is even going on?" Yeah. And then we got home, and we were like pretty like deflated from that, but we were kind of like, you know, oh, it's okay. Like we'll we'll be heading back in a couple of months, I'm sure. And then um, I guess like as it slowly developed and we learnt more about what was happening and like more things got cancelled and I guess like taken away from us and stuff and it was just like it was honestly just like downhill for so long yeah. um and then well, yeah it was like really depressed and just like dealing with like lots of mental health stuff and it was yeah. just a, it, was it was a really a really, really tough rough time, time. Like, we probably, try and yeah. suppress it I suppose like to be honest like we really do try and like you know not think about how shit it was because it's still therapy's amazing yeah definitely like it's still (laughs) it still does like hurt us so much to this day because we lost so much like not even at our own fault and it's something that we have to like try and rebuild again um so yeah it's definitely like rough but um you know it was it was a nice opportunity for us to try and um you know get stuck into writing and stuff like that and um i guess like to also say as well I'm not sure why, but Spotify has put up that Give You Everything is like an EP, but it's actually just a bunch of singles that are come that are going to be on the album. So all of the ones that say like the Give You Everything EP, it's actually um like You Save Me Nothing Yet and Give You Everything are four of the singles we've put out for now and then the album. 
So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I'm not sure why Spotify has said that because everyone seems to, make, to think it's an EP. Yeah. They want you to make bank. Or they want you to jump on some playlists. So. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like though that, that time period, though, like um, looking back, and it's a very reflective thing because at the time it did not feel like this at all. But looking back, reflecting, it definitely was like a time where we were able to just sort of bunker down and we were lucky enough. We were like, we live in like a sort of studio apartment size place. We just yeah. made into a, we just committed it to a, a studio, studio and like our living room has just got synths and guitars and things and that. And we literally just wrote and did that and sort of shut the outside world out in, in a sense because obviously everyone was just like in lockdowns and things mm. like that. So we literally just did that and nothing else. And we just wrote and we really sort of just made. That was like our form of like escapism and we found a real solace in like nostalgia and just sort of, I don't know, that comforting feeling you get around like nostalgia and stuff Mm -hmm. like that and sort of like thinking back to like childhood and thinking back just upon anything really and and just finding that really comforting. And we we sort of tried to like lean that in towards our writing and stuff like that and just like it was was very natural like it was all reflecting sort of thing at the time it was like let's just do this because this is literally the only light that i I can sort of muster up or find at the end of this what anyone's calling a tunnel right now it's like it it was just at this time it was this is what seems like the right thing to do it was definitely not like a okay right now we're going to write for our debut album we're going to make it like this and this is what it's going to sound like it was literally just like the world's on fire we're here in a room, we have all these instruments and stuff, let's what's what are we doing? And then we decided to write and and then nostalgia was sort of like the the crux point of like the whole thing. Well all that nostalgia has certainly got created a sense of congruency between all of the uh the new singles of sorts. They're all they all sound like they're from a record and it's really cool to see sort of finding that balance between that sort of nineties, early two thousands nostalgia and sort of that dream poppy shoegaze energy as well. I kind of uh, thought it was sort of giving off a uh, sort of like the Cranberries meets Hilary Duff energy on a couple of those singles. But I feel like the Hilary Duff comparison might have been influenced by the clip Forgive You Everything with like the little Lizzie McGuire nod. Of yeah, course, for sure, yeah. for sure. Because that was one of the first songs we had actually written. Um, we wrote that with Sarah Aarons and John Hill when we were in LA. I think it was the two weeks before yeah, it was everything just actually before we had to come, we had home. To come home and stuff. So. so we actually wrote that in that session. That was like the, the, you know, the base of the song sort of thing was like, you know, verse, chorus, pre and all that sort of stuff. I think we did the middle eight when we got home, but had that song and instantly I was like, oh, surely we have to do something. Cause this just sounds like it's a soundtrack of like a movie like that, movie like that sort of thing. And I was like, oh, we have to do like, we should really lean into like animation and do something like, like with Liz McGuire and stuff. And we were holding on to that idea for so long. Yeah, we were just. Hoping, hoping no, no one, one else did it. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> happened to us so many times. Like someone else, like we'll be planning something and then another artist will like come out with something very similar just by chance, like a week before. And, we go, and well, we're like, Fuck, we have to change our whole idea or like, you know what I mean? Because we don't want to look like we've, we've copied stolen someone. someone else, yeah. yeah. It's a perfectly executed reference. I loved that film and TV show when I was a kid, and I was very happy to see that. Um, You guys just mentioned Sarah Ahrens, who you worked with alongside John Hill. I've always been fascinated by her work, especially as like a young Australian female songwriter in the big bad world of Hollywood over in LA. What was it like working with her? Sort of, uh, Did you guys immediately click when you walked into the room? Yeah, yeah I mean, I amazing. think so, yeah. She was, like, it was very chill, you know, you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't sort of, like 
see her as like someone that she doesn't have an aura of like I'm better than everyone no, or anything no, like no. that. Like she just came in. And I she think was we even clicked like, over like that initial because we're obviously both Australian. Yeah, stuff, yeah, of and course. And we're in LA, so similar it was like, age group as well. Hey, so it yeah, was, yeah. yeah, it was just like it was very cool. It was very chill, and like even even like John was like because he's American, he he was just like very chill to work with, and it was just it felt comfortable, and it didn't feel like weird or like we had to uphold some sort of like you know level of you know songwriting no. which is like whatever came out everyone was like yeah let's try this it was the most know. non-LA thing ever yeah, yeah. basically <laughs> you're keeping good company I mean Justin Timberlake Zed Rule Khalid she's really worked with some heavy hitters uh, how yeah. to t- take us right in there to, to a moment where she su- suggested something or vice versa and it sort of it led to that alchemy of something new and great I think when we were doing because we did two songs with her and um, when we were doing Give You Everything, like Kurt had sort of come up with these chords and like a couple of ideas ahead of the session and he was like, yeah, I'm going to like bring it in and like see what happens. And she sort of did that, you know, melody, that first initial melody, like the really high part in the chorus and we were both just like, it was just like lifted, you know, you know what I mean? It was just like really cool. Um, so yeah. that was definitely a part where I feel like internally Kurt and I have this thing where, we like look at each other and we can sort of like, you know, have that mind reading conversation of like, this is very cool. You know what I mean? Or like, this is weird. But like, yeah, we would just like look at each other and sort of thought this is going to be sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. The whole thing flowed very, and it was very like um, collaborative, the whole thing. It was, yeah. A hundred percent. And it just didn't, nothing felt forced. Like yeah. it didn't feel like we were sitting in a room trying to write something. Or doing it. We were just there and everyone was I think, honestly, because, like, in those situations, for me personally, like, I know a lot of it feels the same way. It's just, like, the vibe is, like, everything. So, like, we've definitely had, like, writing sessions where, like, people come in and it's, like, just I'm in control now and I'm here. Here's an idea. Mm. Use that. And it's kind of, like, there's no give and take sort of yeah. thing. And, and John and Sarah definitely aren't like that at all. They're, yeah. they're, it was an absolute dream. I feel sort of like it kind of – um, I feel like it kind of influenced our actual, like, how we wrote – from that point onwards because it was kind of like no judgment and like I feel like you know my myself and Kurt were also sort of around that time like learning to write more together like collaboratively um if that's a word <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so like I feel like it was kind of a good experience for us to go like there's no judgment like it's actually okay to just like literally say anything and see how it lands you, yeah. you know what I mean so mm-hmm. it was definitely a um you know very inspiring session for us as point, songwriters. Yeah. So, yeah. I think there's an irony there too. What you were just saying there, a, Kurt, a comment you made is we were sitting around John's studio talking with Sarah about how we both have had similar bitter experiences within the music industry with certain people taking advantages of our benevolence. So meeting yes. up with Sarah, tell, just tell us a bit more about that. Unpack that a bit more if you can. Yeah, sure. It was um a, a time in our career where we were, we were younger. It was sort of just like starting – um, you know, to find like management and find like get a booking agent and like things like that, and just like some things happened, and um, we were just sort of literally like exactly sort of how I said it, it's just like you sort of trust people, uh, especially like you know being younger and stuff, and you go oh like they know what they're doing, they know what they're yeah. doing, like you, you like you just put your trust in someone, especially if it's like telling you at that at that point you're like oh, okay cool, well they know what they're doing, yeah. like it's also done this their job to like their job, you and, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So we were. 
had similar situations like that where we sort of did put our trust into other people and um, it sort of backfired on both of us and yeah. we sort of had to learn from that the hard way. Uh, and yeah. It definitely wasn't like a, you know, oh, this, this broke us as a band or anything like that or anything like that, but it was just like a, a very eye-opening point of like, okay, well, you, can't you take have to take every situation for, and, yeah, yeah, every yeah. situation is unique to itself and you have to take it as it is at that very time. There's no textbook, yeah. especially in, in the music industry, very much so. It's kind of everything you sort of come face to face with, you have to assess it as, as it is right in front of you sort of thing. You can't just, it's, there's no hard and fast. Yeah, that's and right. we sort of thought there was. And it's like coming out of school or coming like, you know, being younger and being told like this is right and this is wrong and sort of, Shit like that, you know what I mean? When you learn when you're a kid, mm. and it's just not like that when you become yeah. and I guess an adult, so, yeah. I agree, and I, I guess some of the lyrics as well, like I guess the core of the song is is just you can't just like continue to to give everything and do everything at like your own expense, and you have to like you have you to know. keep some of that for yourself in a way. Yeah, so yeah, 100%. give giving everything of yourself to someone else yeah. just because you think it's sort yeah. of what's And best. I feel like it sits in every context with like, you know, yeah. that our situation, relationships, like friendships, like I feel like it's one of those songs where, you know, if you have a similar situation going on, you can connect to it in your own way, which I feel like is cool. You're about to tour with the Vans and sort of, you know, picking up where you left off, doing the Forum in Melbourne. That's going to be a great experience for you going over the Fourth Pub in Fourth, wherever the Fourth is. <laughs> Newcastle, <laughs> Sydney, Wollongong, Canberra, uh, even Hobart. Sold out some early shows and some late shows there. Well done. Doing your own tour, playing the Leadbetter in, in Melbourne, in Richmond. I had to look that, that place up. Brightside, Brisbane. OAF Gallery, Oxford Arts Factory uh, yeah, in Sydney, doing a whole bunch of stuff, which is very, very cool. Tell us about when the album's going to drop and uh, and even just getting over to do Bottle Rock Festival in Napa Valley. Yes, so the album is coming out May 20th. Um, we had to change the date so many times because obviously COVID just comes in and makes it hard because also Ruby and Tex live over the border, so when that whole thing was happening, it was just like impossible for us oh, to do anything. Rough. Um, but yeah, it's finally coming out on May 20th. Like we're not changing it now. <laughs> so, yeah, it's definitely um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, we're like, we're so excited to go back to the U S and, you know, working on more tours around, around that. And like after all rock and that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, yeah it's just going to be very nice for us to sort of pick up where, we, like hopefully pick up where we left off and just sort of get that going again because we do miss the US so much and we miss that lifestyle as well so and just the touring lifestyle I, in I Australia as well say, yeah even yeah. just like looking for the next couple of months like we're on tour like for you know that March April period and then heading over to the states sort of yeah. and then doing bottle rock and stuff it's like makes us feel a bit it feels very normal. weird it's like yeah. hold on what's happening are we actually touring yeah we've got <laughs> consecutive shows lined up what's that yes yeah, so, and like the flights are actually booked and what's happening yeah, yeah, yeah. it's so weird so <laughs> Well, we, we wish you well from all uh, hit different HQ and everyone out there listening. Please support them. Jump on Bandcamp. Spend some money on merch. Get right behind them. Eliza and the Delusionals, thanks for being on our show today. Would you like to stick around and do a, a tight 25, a bonus episode with us? Of Absolutely. Course. Thanks for having Great. us. Wow. What an unexpected uh, affirmation. Uh, excellent. <laughs> all right, friends. Stick around. Everyone else uh, listening out there, we fucking love you. Keep it up. Love you. Love you.
Mm-hmm.